0: Well, it's been great uh, working through Isaiah, and uh, yeah, we're up to chapter 61 today, which is, uh, which is very good. I wanted to, uh, wanted to start with a question that kind of puts us a little bit maybe beyond the mindset that you're in for Sunday morning. Uh, you might be thinking, okay, we're now getting in sermon mode, I'm switching off from all the things that have been happening in my week. Uh, I just want to call us back to our week a little bit, because I think it'll fill the passage we're looking at today with meaning. So the question I've got up here is, what are you longing for? What are you longing for? Now, for some of you, uh, you'll have an answer straight away. You just go, I know exactly what I'm longing for. And uh, it's made of carbon fibre and it weighs less than 6.8 kilos. It's got two wheels on it. And uh, no, actually, I just got a new bike for my birthday, so I'm, I'm doing fine in that regard. Now, not, not just the stuff we're longing for. What are the things in our lives that are stirring us, that that we have an ache for, that we're expectantly hoping for? Do we have anything in that category that we're longing for? I I think it's an important question uh, because there's longing behind this chapter. And uh, what I want to do is, I want to think this morning with you, what were Israel longing for? Because we're going to hear today some beautiful words. They're absolutely amazing. I hope you picked that up when we, when we read th- had them read for us. Uh, but we need to understand what was it that, that was in their hearts? What was the heartache of the people of Israel? Well, if we think about them uh, in our Bible timeline, we're coming to the end of the period where Israel had kings over them. So they've had kings. The kings have done a terrible job of obeying God. They've done a terrible job. They've failed God repeatedly. And so now what's before them is a thing that will come to be called the exile, where they'll be booted out of the promised land and taken far away. Ahead of that is a thing that will be awesome, a return from exile. But the ache in the people's hearts is we are, our land is filled with injustice We are worried and upset about what our future sounds like, and the prophets are announcing to to us that an exile is coming. We're going to lose the land. So the longing in their hearts is probably to be right with God. If we have a look at the way it works, uh, the, the future, the return is really fuzzy. The exile is a little bit fuzzy, and where they are right now is pretty clear. The prophets are talking to them and saying, we're going to tell you about today, how it's wrong, We're going to tell you about the exile, how it's coming. And in the future, we're going to speak to you about a hope, a day where you might come back to this promised land that God has for you. But more than that, the prophets actually say, do you know what, there's something even greater. You won't know what it is, but it's out there. Out there in the future is something even greater than just a return from this exile that's ahead of you. We're going to talk today about prophecy, and uh, prophecy is one of those interesting things. I've shown you this diagram before if you've been at New Life for a while. If you're new with us, you might not have seen it. The prophecy in the Old Testament often has two horizons. I'll, I'll sort of explain what I mean. What, what it means is when the prophets announce God's word, they're saying it means something today. It, it has to mean something today. Okay, So it means something for now. But it also has a future fulfillment, something that's further down the track. And the trick when listening to the prophecies in the Old Testament is to think, how much of this is bound up with right now, and how much is it that looking forward? So if we kind of split it up a little bit, you see there's actually two horizons. It can be the same word, and it'll have some relevance for today, and it'll also be pointing us beyond today to something even more. So the best example of that, well, the present fulfillment is there's going to be an exile and there's going to be a return. The future words, though, might be speaking about something really amazing. Further ahead in the future, maybe we're talking about a Messiah, a promised king who will come. So what we need to do today is we need to listen to what's relevant for them now and also what's the further fulfillment that might be coming up a long way from when they were. What's well, interesting? We're talking about longings. I think we're often settling for lesser longings. Uh, let me refine that a little bit. I think we're often distracted by lesser longings. So there's actually true heart longings, and we kind of trade them off for maybe a new bike or a holiday or school holidays or something. We we trade off the true heart longing for something that just kind of distracts us for a little while. And uh, I think we do that quite a bit. And, and I think this box here helps us quite a lot. Uh, we, we trade off, we, we, we lose our heart longing by distra- being distracted by these other longings. Uh, I was thinking about the things that we watch on TV and some of the longings that they tie into. Uh, now, I don't know if you watch SBS World News. Um, I kind of have to have enough courage to watch it. Um, there's, there's kind of news light, diet news, that kind of happens on the commercial channels. And then you kind of find out what's actually happening in the world when you watch something like SBS. Um, I, for me personally, when I look at the SBS world news, I have a longing to understand our broken world. I, I want to get what's going on. I want to understand. I think understanding our broken world is actually behind uh, a bit of this passage here. So let's dive in. If you can open your Bibles, Isaiah Uh, 61 on page 744, if you've got uh, this size Bible. Uh, Why don't you read with me from verse 1? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. It's beautiful poetry, if nothing else, isn't it? Absolutely glorious. Let's let's have a look. Who is this good news for? Who's it for? Well, if we we look through this list, uh, this is good news for the poor. It's good news for the brokenhearted, for the captives, the prisoners, for those who mourn, for those who grieve, for those in despair. In short, this is good news for the broken. This is good news for the broken. I I often wonder, it's a bit like saying to someone, um, uh, say someone lives right next to the shops, okay? So they live right next to the shops, there's their house, there's the shops, and, uh, and you announce to them, hey, guess what? I'm feeling really generous this week. I would like to drive you to the shops. Yeah? And you kind of go, well, that's nice. Kind of a little awkward because you'd take more time to walk to the car and then park it and then... Ha-. Anyway, it would, it, it's kind of nice, but it's kind of awkward and inconvenient. It doesn't really help me. Now, if the shops are 110 kilometers away, that's a generous offer, isn't it? What I want to tell you today is good news is on offer, but if you aren't in any way feeling the longing, feeling the loss, looking forward to something that God can do in your life, guess what? I'm offering you a drive to the shops from next door, and you'll sit here this morning and go, well, whoop-de-doo, didn't really matter. I'm suggesting to you today it matters, and it matters because if we think about the true state of our lives, there is longing. There is brokenness, there is captivity to different things, there is despair at times, there is grief and mourning. And today what I want to offer you is the good news that we find in Isaiah. It will be if you can acknowledge it. It'll be just another servant if you can't. Who's the good news for? I want to dare to say it's for us. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, he says, because the Sovereign Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, last week, Matthew presented the servant. Do you remember that? Talking about the servant of the Lord, the suffering servant. This is the anointing on the servant. It's saying, my servant, you have a job to do, and your job is to proclaim good news, good news to the poor. I want you to see uh, this bit here, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Now, I don't know if you noticed, um, what's the year of the Lord's favour? Well, it's a time of God opening up His graciousness to us. God being willing to bless us. God being willing to pour out His favour on us. How long does it last for? Well, it says it's a year. It's a metaphorical year. It's a period of time. We are looking forward to the time of God's favor. But there's another day that's coming. There's a a year coming and there's a day coming. A A day of what? A day of vengeance. Now that's the bit where we kind of go, and we just stop the tape there. We'll stop recording it. we just edit this bit out. We don't want to know about the day of vengeance, do we? No. We don't. And we won't even say that we don't want to know because we can't even speak about it. So how is the year of the Lord's favor connected in any way to the day of vengeance? First thing I'd say is notice the time difference. Which one's going to last longer? You can do this, church. Okay, thank you. I hear that. Thank you. That's great. Well done. Uh, Yeah, favor lasts much longer than the day of vengeance, yeah? Well, why do you need a day of vengeance? Well, it's funny, isn't it? We're so icky about it. If you're the people of Israel, what you're seeing is you're about to lose the land because you've been utterly sinful. You're going to be taken over by a foreign power and you're going to be taken far away from your land. Now, if you're an Israelite, what are you looking for? Justice. And it's not icky, it's actually the longing of hearts that are wired up right. Right? God, won't you bring justice? Won't you do what's right? What God's saying is, there's a year of the Lord's favour ahead, and on that day as well, I will right wrongs. I will punish wrongdoers. No one will get away with anything. I think, church, we should long for the day that the injustices of the world around us where we see terrible injustice, and and Annette prayed beautifully about the the refugee situation at the moment, if you're thinking about families having borders shut in a foreign land with no home to go back to and no support, man, don't we long for justice for them? Don't we long for something to be right in that situation? Well, what's the connection? God will do right. He'll pour out his favour and he will judge righteously. There's something great coming that will actually be a comfort to all who mourn. A day of reversal will come. It will come to the broken and it will come through the anointed one, the chosen servant that God has. That sounds pretty good. Uh, What else do we watch on TV to distract ourselves from our longings? Some of you wonderfully don't have any idea what this is. Is that right? What is a block? It's a child's program, is that right? Building blocks? No, okay. You know. Uh, It's a renovation rescue thing. Why why do we watch the block and this sort of thing? I think we long to see a great turnaround story. So here's a broken down, terrible dive. And what we're going to see is people pour themselves in to bring about a great renovation. I actually think we love that. We love that kind of idea. The destroyed, the broken, restored. Well, have a look with me in Isaiah. It's on offer. Uh, Sorry, it's verses uh, 4 to 5. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. See, there's actually something beautiful happening here. A a great reversal is happening. And it says there uh, at the end of verse 3, they'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This people, who will be taken away in the future, will come back. The restored people will become restorers. You see? God will make them new, and then they will make the city new. I assume Jerusalem. They'll rebuild it. Now, it's so funny. I was thinking about this this week. Uh, They'll be called Oaks of Righteousness, and they'll rebuild ancient cities. One of the interesting things about that for me is everything gets built so quickly around us, doesn't it? In Oran Park. Need a new road? Well, they'll just bulldoze it. In a couple of weeks, it'll be there. Uh, need a new shopping centre? Well, it'll take about nine months and we'll get that done. Council building? No problems. About, about, a, about a year, we'll get that done for you. Building happens incredibly quickly for us. How long does it take oak trees to, uh, to grow, do you think? Three days. More than three days, Zachy. That's true. It takes you a long time. It, it's, it's tens, twenties, thirties, fifty, a hundred years to grow an oak tree. Do you know what? In a land where you don't have modern cranes, where you don't have modern machinery, how long do you think it takes to rebuild a city? A long time. What I did all of a sudden was I had to slow down and think, actually, having oak trees, being a planting of the Lord, oak trees, and rebuilding cities, is actually a much slower thing than our fast-paced world. Here's what I think this is telling us. Rebuilding will come. It will come slowly, but it will come surely. And when it's done, it will have a firm foundation. God is going to do something that will last. God is going to rebuild his people, and they will rebuild a city that will last. Rebuilding will come slowly, but it is sure. Well, here's another show. I can honestly say I've never seen it, but why why do people watch Millionaire Hot Seat? Maybe you're asking yourself that as well. It's a, it's a quiz show. Why do they watch it? I think they long to see the money. Maybe someone will win it. They like a bit of trivia, and maybe someone will be a little bit famous. In other words, it's a bunch of surface rubbish. I think there's something about these things, though, that, that, that ties into something far more profound. Have a look at verses 5 to 7. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you'll be called priests of the Lord. You'll be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you'll receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. See, it's... It's far more beautiful. What's God got in store for his people? Not passing fame, not a little bit of money, not trivial pursuits, if I can use that pun. You'll be called priests of our Lord. You'll be named ministers of our God. God actually has a special purpose for his people. I've prepared a task for you. Your job is to be ministers, to be priests. And there'll be wealth attached. Now, I, I think we think when we hear that, wow, everyone's going to be rich. You're all going to join me up on the stage because we we'll are all be ministers. And the only way you can be a minister, clearly, is to stand up the front, have a funny Madonna microphone. So we'll all end up that the whole congregation is invited up here and we'll all be rich. What a brilliant future for all of us. Doesn't sound very good, actually, I don't think. Here's what I think is happening. You will have, I will have, a purpose that God has given us. Maybe you don't know anything about the way the Old Testament was worked out for the priests. Basically, the priests didn't do any manual labor. How about that? Uh, What they did instead was everyone else gave a tenth. Do you know where their tenth went? The tenth went into a pot that was used to provide for the priests, that was their portion. That was their inheritance, the provision of the other tribes to provide for them. What God's saying here is not that you will be rich, okay, but that you will be provided for while you're being ministers and priests for God. Does that make sense? So so not that you and I will drive Maseratis and have microphones. Uh, Instead, what's going to happen is you'll have gainful employment and the Lord will make sure you don't lack anything. In fact, he'll provide for you richly. Well, that's much better. Uh, What we see here, the future is full of riches and rejoicing, but maybe not in the financial way. A rich life filled with meaning and purpose, provided for generously by God. Well, that sounds pretty good. I want you to see that this idea that there'll be a nation of priests is actually really old. You can see up there I've got the reverse arrows, the rewind arrows. Let's go all the way back to Exodus. Okay, God saves his people out of Egypt, takes them through the Red Sea, brings them to Mount Sinai, and here's what he says just before he gives them the Ten Commandments. Ready for this? Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. So right at the start, when they were being formed into a nation, God says, you will be my priests. You will be a holy nation. Brilliant promise in the past. Let's go forward and we'll go to uh, fast forward to the New Testament. Here's what it says in the New Testament about the people of God. But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why are you to be a royal priesthood? Here's why. Have a look at this. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What's God looking for? Praise and honor for the salvation that he has won. Very good. It was promised before Israel was a nation in Exodus. It was reaffirmed to the people in Isaiah's time. It's the declaration of who we are as God's people. Isn't that great? Priests. We are to declare the praises of him who has saved us. Well, here's another show that might distract us. Uh, Does anyone watch Who Do You Think You Are? Great show, basically where they go into people's histories. Why, Why do we watch this show? Well, I think we long to understand the past and to make sense of the future in light of the past. To think about who we're descended from and to give direction to those who will be descended from us. Again, these ideas are reflected here in Isaiah. Have a look at verses uh, 8 to 9. "'For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness I'll reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations, their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a a people the Lord has blessed.'" So, so what's going on? Well, God's saying, your descendants will be famous. They'll be famous as a people the Lord has blessed. So, I, I don't know. Uh, it's, um, it's interesting to think, actually, uh, since we've got Syria on our minds at the moment. Here's a group of people who have a land, Syria. They've lost it with just the, the world going to hell in a handbasket, basically, in their country. They're far away from it. What do you think they're feeling about their kids and their kids' future? Terrified, I would imagine. Terrified about their kids' future. Here's Isaiah. He's standing in Israel. He's saying, you are going to go into exile. You're going to go far away. You're going to lose the promised land. At which point, if you're a reasonable parent or grandparent, all of a sudden you start wondering, what's going to happen to my kids? What will happen to my children? Hello, Isaac. I can see you. You're my child, aren't you, bud? What's going to happen to my children? And God is saying to them, I hear you. I'm speaking blessing to your children. Can you see that? I care for your kids. Your offspring are going to be famous among the nations. I'm going to to bring them back. I'm going to restore them. They're going to be a people that the Lord has blessed. Don't worry about your children. I've got them. I care about your kids. What's going to happen is renown among the nations will be the outcome for God's people. They'll be famous as blessed by God. And we see that in the New Testament. Here we are in 1 Peter again. The next verse, it says, once you are not a people, that's us church, once you are not a people, were we part of God's family before? No. Before Ian went to the, uh, the, the youth night he shared about up the front here, was he part of God's family? Absolutely not. He heard the call and he responded. He said, "Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." See, the great, far-off future isn't that Israel isn't that Israel will only be God's people, but actually you and I, beyond Israel will be included in God's family." That's pretty good. Uh, better homes and gardens. I don't know, it's what, it, what comes on when I'm trying to watch the football and I love my wife, I think that's what... Anyone else hear me? No? Good. I see that hand, thank you. Thanks, Russell. Um, I think the idea is this, you want to know uh, what to plant when? Something like that. Let's have a look at verse 10 and 11. For I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest... As a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Uh, it's a beautiful hope uh, that's ahead here. There's an energy and a growth that's in soil. Uh, we're actually seeing it at the back here. I don't know if you noticed. If you've seen our, you should should check out the back. We planted seeds there some time ago, it became a massive lawn, and then it got cut three times this week to turn it into something looking like a proper lawn, which is really great. Um, There's energy from God, the sun, the seed, the soil, that causes things to grow. He's saying, my work is like that. So I will make righteousness sprout up around the world. It will spring up before all nations. God's going to make a harvest of praise and righteousness spring up. I love that. Because we could think, I don't know how God's going to be praised in a world that doesn't listen to him very well. Here's what it says, God will make it spring up. It's God's work. God is at work to cause praise and righteousness to come up before all the nations. I think that's great. Well, what about that long horizon? Remember the one with the little baby uh, picture on it? What about that second horizon? Let's get to Jesus, hey? But before we do that, <laughs> did anyone notice uh, something happened this week? Well, I don't know what this is. I can't, Australians, we're weird, aren't we? I, I, I said this week, I, I can't figure out whether we're just totally fickle, totally fickle, or we're just desperate for someone to do a good job. I think my answer is a little for, from column A and a little from column B. I think we're fickle and we want someone desperately to do a good job. Uh, we long to change our leaders. It just seems we love the, the cycle now. We've kind of got a bit of an addiction to it, I think. We love the build-up. We love the rumors. We love the exclusives on the day. We love the fallout story afterwards. I'd just love us to fall in love with good government, wouldn't you? Anyway, have a look at Luke 14. It's announcing a new government. Something new has broken in. Turn, turn with me. Turn, turn to Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 4. Uh, let's see what page it's on, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, Luke chapter 4, uh, on page 1030 on these size Bibles. And if someone on the big print has got one, you can call it out to me. No? All right, very good. You're on your own. Uh, here's, what, here's what it says. It's, uh, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, it says in verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. This is really early. We're in chapter 4 of Luke. Jesus hasn't made a public ministry yet. Here's what happens. Verse 15, he's just starting. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Notice Jesus went to church? Yeah, like this. You know, that, sorry, a little side point here. You know, people say, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Do you know that? Anyone never heard that before? Right. You've all heard that before, haven't you? You don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Okay. Just observe with me here, little side point. Who went to church? Jesus. But, but you don't need to know. You don't need to go. It's not a problem. Don't worry. Please don't. It's just religion, man. Anyway, sorry. Side. Uh. <clears throat> He went into the synagogue, as was his custom, who knew, Uh, unrolling it. Oh, sorry, uh, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. How convenient. Imagine that. Who would have thought? The scroll of the prophet Isaiah is, is handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Oh man, how brilliant is that? He then rolled up the scroll, right? He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Can you imagine the electricity in the air here? It says here, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Oh my, this was their longing. God, you have to do something. When is Isaiah fulfilled? This is the longing of the people of Israel. And now someone has stood up and read it in the synagogue. Everyone is looking at Jesus. Verse 21 says, He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Boom. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That longing that you have had, That longing is now fulfilled. I am the one. I am the anointed one, and I'm sitting right in front of you in the synagogue today. Boom. I think if we're doing it in rap, he'd drop the mic and walk off at that point. I think it's a huge deal. And so, change of government. What's happened? Well, tell you what. Whoever was ruling the world at this point needs to know that the anointed one has arrived. He's in the house. And he has come to do something truly beautiful. Have a look what it says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the the year of the Lord's favor. Guess what he doesn't say? What was the next line? Can anyone remember from Isaiah? Look at you guys. You're right with me. This is brilliant. Do you know what? He stopped there. He says, here I am. I am the anointed one. I've arrived today in the house today and I've come to announce freedom for the captives, release from the... Blindness rolled back and here's what. I've come to announce the year of the Lord's favor. God's grace and generosity and his beauteous face towards the world is on. This is the day, the day of the Lord's favor. He didn't come. Notice this. He didn't come the first time to to bring the day of vengeance. Do you remember what it says in John 3.17? Does anyone know? Yes, call it out, Stuart. I've not come to condemn the world, world, but to save it. We all know John 3.16. John 3.17 says, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. So beautiful, so profound. So I want you to know, today is the day of favor and not judgment. Today is the year of the Lord. Hey, we say that, don't we? You used to say, in the year of the Lord. The, the, the favor of our God. So where are we up to? Well, the first coming of Jesus brought favor, openness. God is saying, I am open for business. Repent and come back to me. Today is the day of favor. His second coming, Jesus will return again. His second coming will be the day of vengeance. Where he will not... It's it's so funny, we just hear that the wrong way. The day of justice. The day of wrongs being righted. The day of things being put to right. A day of vengeance is coming. And beyond that day though, notice it's only a day. What, What happens after that? Well... We enter into a period of God's unending favor in eternity with him. We're in the year of the Lord's favor. We have an eternal eternity of favor ahead of us. And in between is a day of vengeance, his second coming. Where are we today? We're here, just before the day of vengeance, in the year of the Lord's favor. That's where we are today. So my question for you is, what do we do with today? What do we do with today if that's the case? Well, first thing I want to say is, will we hear the good news for us? I don't want to pretend for one second that there aren't people who are sitting here today who haven't yet received the good news, which is that you can be free from your captivity to sin. That you can be set free from your bondage to guilt. Today, right now, is a great day to say yes to Jesus. I want to be right with God. I want, to, I want to be expecting Jesus' return, not in fear and trepidation, but in anticipation. Because I know I'm right with God. Today, right now, is a great day to say yes to God. I give up. I'll fly the white flag that you might be my king. So the first way that we respond to today is, I want to ask you, will you hear the good news for you, for us? Secondly, anticipating that many of you have already made that decision. Good decision. Will we joyfully take up our role as priests? As in, will you and I do the job that God saved us for? Will we declare the praises of him who called us from darkness to light? Will you do that? What that means is in your workplace, when someone's having a go at Jesus, do you let it slide? I don't care, it's no biggie. Or will you choose quietly afterwards to say, you know, there are some things about Jesus that aren't just rubbish? I don't think you need to stop the workroom discussion necessarily, but will you stand for Jesus? Will you say something to honor him? Will you declare the praises of him who called you from darkness to light? Will we joyfully take up our role as priests? Secondly, will we proclaim the day of favor to the nations? How will righteousness spread up around the world? Well, guess what? God's going to do it. Who's he going to do it through? Yeah, I see a lot of people doing this. Is that right? No, no, no. He's going to do it through us. As we are people who are giving the message of new life, how is he going to do it? Through us. So I want to ask you, brothers and sisters here today, will we proclaim the day of favor? There is a day of vengeance coming. We're in this awesome time of favor we well, best not tell anyone. The day of vengeance will come. We're in the day of favour. I want to be amongst a group of people who are passionate to see that proclaimed as we give the message of new life. And lastly, can I just plead with you? Will we stop looking to solve our longings here? Let's give up on that, hey? They're only ever distractions. You want to have longings solved? Look here. To the one who's behind it. Come to the Lord, the one who wants to set free the captive, the one who will restore the sight of the blind, the one who wants to comfort those who mourn. Only in Him is it found. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this brilliant word. I pray, Father, for those of us who are longing for the sort of comfort, healing, and hope that are held out in this passage, that we might find it in you. Father, help us to forsake our distracted messing about with this world. Help us to take up the call to be priests and proclaimers. Father, I pray for those who are so close to making a decision today that they might choose today as a great day to do it. And we ask this, Father, so that new life may break out here and sprout up around the world for Jesus' sake. Amen.